Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 22. How you doing, man? Tired. Yeah. It's, it's a new level of tired, I feel like. Yeah, I bet it. Yeah. For you, I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is. Uh, well, uh, real quick, let's cover the slight episode topics we're going to be talking about today. We're going to cover team episodes again. we got two more this week. We have Trek Segafredo and EF Pro Cycling, so that'll be cool. Kind of coincidental, both U.S. teams kind of happen to be in the same, you know, spot on the uh, team rankings, so that's kind of cool. Uh, we'll also be talking about the second episode of the Lance 30 for 30, as well as transfer rumors, since uh, cycling is coming, dude. Fuck winter. Cycling is <laughs> yeah. coming. I was like, it's the All-American episode, dude. We, oh, got, yeah. we got Lance and Track and EF. Oh, yeah. It's a great episode. Well, quick, before we jump into it, let's. Uh, how do people find us? Yeah, they can get to us uh, at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. Yeah, I see you've been posting some videos again, so that's good. Yeah, got got the video back. I don't know what was going on with uh, the rendering, but it's I'm able to make them again. So Awesome. And uh, all the show notes will have links to our profiles as well as our Strava profile, so feel free to check us out. And uh, let's get right into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, man. Yeah. All right, this week... It was hot as hell. It was like 112, I think, 115 at one point this week. And uh, I don't have the luxury to ride in the morning. I ride after work. And uh, honestly, I just wasn't really feeling it. And then the one day I wanted to ride, it was like 20 mile an hour winds, and it was still over 100. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to bother. So I got one ride in. I rode this week. Uh, uh, I rode today. A group ride, 37 miles, 800 feet or so. Dude, I must live a, a luxurious life. You do. You do in this regard. <laughs> um, I rode uh, 207 miles this week, uh, 4,100 feet of climbing, so a bigger week than, than normal for me. Yeah. Well, let's get into our rides of the week. Uh, today I rode the Shade Tree ride again. I wanted to, you know, we kind of talked about either doing South Mountain or doing this group ride again, and I was like, well, I'd like to go to this ride two weeks consecutively. You know, I'm trying to just learn the ins and outs, get better group rides, people... You know, get to know me a little bit more and, and try to, you know, meet some new people kind of thing. And so we did that. And overall, I had a good ride. But at the beginning, it kind of started off, it was kind of a chaotic day, I think, in the group ride. But yeah, uh, right after, you know, there's a couple, five, six miles of kind of slower pace. You know, you're 18 to 20 miles an hour kind of until you get to this certain intersection. And then after that, it's the rate, you know, the ride's kind of on and it splits into different groups and well, I hit this bump and my seat post just dropped like two and a half inches because I just, uh, I've always had this saddle tilt and it was really bugging me. So I finally fixed it yesterday and then, but I didn't tighten it enough, I guess. And so I hit a bump and my seat dropped like two and a half inches and I thought I could make it, you know, I tried riding until the first little regroup for the B group and there was no regroup. So I just stopped there <laughs> and just adjusted my seat uh, post up a little bit back to its original position and tightened it and rode a hell of a lot better after that. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, makes quite a bit of difference. Ooh, yeah, my quads were just on fire, just being in that new position. Two and a half inches was a pretty big fall. So you see those guys when like a, their domestique gives them their, just gives them their whole bicycle, if, yeah. and it's, you know, a 52 instead of a 56, or vice versa, and you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty hard to ride on something that doesn't fit you. Yeah, it's really strange, because, you know, I, I didn't ride it all this week, and so in my head I was like, maybe I just haven't ridden at all this week, but before that bump, I was doing great. And so I was like, after I fixed it and I felt way better, I was like, oh, that little two inches on my seat post made a huge difference. 
It really does, though. Yeah. But after that, I was like, I'm, I was determined to catch somebody. And so I just went full gas. And it took me three or four or five miles. And I finally caught up with the tail end of some group. And I uh, met this nice lady. And we just took turns pulling. And we ended up kind of leading the, the B group in a sense. And then we kind of caught up with this one other group. And it was kind of like a B plus group. And I had a pretty good finale of my ride. I was like, just uh, skip a whole segment of the ride so you can catch up with the group like I do. Yeah, I mean, I did the same <laughs> no, thing. I, I missed this one. I just, I knew I had to catch people. So I, instead of going into this neighborhood, which had a little bit of climbing, and I just stood on this path and just ripped it as fast as I could. And I did catch some people. But yeah, sounds like you had a kind of a similar boat. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, hard riding all, all weekend, I guess, is was the, the big thing. And I mean, I'm doing it to myself, obviously. Yeah. But I went out uh, yesterday and rode with uh, West Valley Cycles, pretty, a much larger group, actually, that rides rides there. They meet out kind of like in Goodyear at this Lifetime Fitness. Uh, and man, there's some, some strong folks in there, and it kind of leads less to my strengths because it ends up being about the same amount of climbing feet, I, I think, as the, the Shade Tree ride, but you're doing nearly double the amount of miles, um, well, maybe a little less. You're doing 60 miles or so, um, and there's just always, like, crosswinds. It's wide open. There's kind of fields, mm -hmm. and I feel like the, any climb they do, like, maxes out at 5%, so a lot of yeah. the guys can just rip through those. So I started in the A group, and I just got caught out in the wind a few times. Like, I was trying to close down a gap and nobody came behind me to, to do anything and I was just I'm not strong enough to do that in the wind for minutes like yeah just not gonna happen for sure so I like got dropped from them and then I there's a unlike shade tree there's two regroup spots or like where we get water and I kind of just figured out the way back it made the most sense I, I'd only ridden with them once before met up with, with them, and then I was like, I'm riding the B group back. And the B group, I mean, I felt great after that. I think the, I, just sometimes I need a little rest. And I was doing a lot of work on there, but feeling good. And the B group was, was strong. Like, we were a little bit of tailwind, but we were coming back. And we were, I was in the front, like, holding 30 for a while. And then a couple guys went off, and we're going, like, 35 just mm -hmm. on a flat and uh, holding that for a long time and I like I couldn't I couldn't hold on to the back wheel and we were just going that and going off and it was just it was good like it was a very strong B group or and I think everybody after the, the end of it maybe it's a, a little faster than they normally go but everybody who I was talking to were like oh that was great ride every like it was just one of those where everybody was like yeah like this yeah. This was really good. They got a lot out of it. You know, when you have a, a good ride or everybody's putting in a lot of effort, everybody's doing work, and it's it just feels good all together. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I got some, some good footage of that, so I'm going to work on that this week and hopefully have a, a nice little video to put up of, of that ride, too. Sweet. Yeah, it'll be nice once we kind of get that rocking and rolling. I'm glad you have the video back. I think that's it's always pretty cool. Allows people to kind of see what's going on. Yeah, and there's some cool areas to see. I mean, it's this is a little different, but there's one area in particular is a uh, 
section of town called Verado, and it, it just seems very different from stuff in Arizona. There's like tree-lined, like giant trees on the streets and just different scenery. The building, everything's just different over there. It's a mm. nice little town or section of town. Yeah, I'll have to check it out one of these days. I just could only, I ended up doing some horseback riding yesterday, so I didn't ride my bike, but it was nice to hang out with the old lady and do some horseback stuff. Got to see a lot of gravel grinders out there. Now. <laughs> it's like picking up. It's everywhere. It's true. You got to get on it. I know. Well, we got a lot to cover today. Let's get into it. We finished, literally just finished, the second part of the Lance documentary. And I'll say, you know, we reviewed the first one last week, and it was kind of boring. Uh, more exposition, I guess. And this one yeah. was more interesting, I guess. Uh, just seeing more of the emotional impact of lots of different things that happened throughout that whole downfall. You kind of get the meat of it. I mean, the beginnings, too, is just, like, his beginnings. And you, yeah. it was interesting to see, like, we didn't know about all the try stuff and um, and kind of just what got him into specifically cycling. But this yeah. one, you're seeing a little bit more background of things that he did and, you know, what he was, like, I don't know, he got into, like, what his... Um, I don't know, biggest, biggest regret. I don't know what they said. Like they said, oh, they asked, what's the worst thing you've ever done? Yeah. And, you know, I guess you kind of get a little insight into that. Yeah. I didn't know as much about that and, like, the... Well, that situation we kind of messed up. So that was about the Sonier that came out and spoke against him, but it seems the way she had kind of talked about it, she was trying to reform cycling, and David Walsh, the reporter that she was talking with, kind of just nixed that half of the story and then just made it about Lance, which is kind of common in these situations. And it's really unfortunate. Like, they have an axe to grind against Lance, which obviously he deserves it and all that stuff. And it's a obvious going to be a bit the biggest story of the year in cycling. But some of these people aren't necessarily interested in fixing cycling, it seems. Yeah, I mean, she wanted the UCI to, to involve them. Yeah. and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I there's a lot going on in cycling even today that I delved into a little bit more with things like that TV money and all the, there's a lot of back history and it's, I'm sure lots of people would want to see a change, but yeah, it was just kind of cool to see all that stuff and just see how he's recovered in a sense, but just kind of seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I would way. imagine too, kind of how we said that he wouldn't change anything. I guess you can kind of say that just because you don't have an option now, but it's true. just how we had talked to it, I think you'd mentioned a lot of just he's a different person now. Like, yeah. he, he would not be a different person unless, mm -hmm. you know, he had rock bottom. Like, Correct. And he even mentioned that. And I agree. It's like, there's certain things that happened in my life where I was upset that they didn't happen. But then in hindsight, I'm like, well, if that would have happened, my whole life would be different. You know? Yeah. So it's like, if, you know, when I was 10, if that one thing happened, like, I would have new different friends. And, I, like, my whole life would just be different. And it's like... I'm pretty happy with where I'm at in life. And so all the things that I've gone through, you know, in my own personal realm, it's just like they just make you who you are. And so you can't live that I would go back and change shit attitude. It, yeah. Because you have to look forward. That's all. Yeah, I was like, otherwise, you know, nothing new is going to happen for you. Yeah. But overall, I mean, like we had kind of commented during the, during the show, it was like I started watching cycling in 2009, just coincidentally when he came out of retirement. And it's like, Living that early 2000s, you know, late 90s, like, cycling, I just missed all of that. But sometimes I'm like, dude, that would have been amazing to watch. It's like you had kind of joked. I, I wouldn't say joked, but you commented, like, it's almost the same thing as, like, the Froome era or, like, Sky and Ineos, I guess, more than anything. And that's pretty close, but I, I just don't think it's the same. 
It's yeah. pretty. It's the closest we have. But yeah, they just crushed all those tours, and like his. Per- I mean, even they said in the show, it's like he's a larger than life personality. It's like he's the Tiger Woods of cycling, or like the Michael Jordan. Like there's these big personalities, and like they just make the sport. And of course, Europeans are gonna, French are gonna hate hearing that, but you know, in America anyway, like they're they represent cycling, and they're it's true synonymous. though. Yeah, I finished. I watched that Bulls Last Dance thing as well, since yeah. I have the ESPN. But it's true. I mean, it's real similar, like vibes between him and Michael Jordan. I feel like the major difference was Jordan seemed not like the press and the spotlight. Oh yeah. And Lance, you know, just wanted everything and he was using it and was always out in the spotlight but just the way that these guys who are the best or like will get down on their teammates or anything and just like if you're not at my level like yeah. leave yeah exactly i think probably the most emotional thing was like the, when they he was talking about jan ulrich and like yeah he seemed getting all broken up and like he made a point as like how does media or the world or whoever decide who's punished and who's rewarded you know so he talked a lot about why does this writer who's admitted to doping still allowed to be in the sport and like be involved and do commentary and then other people are just like completely abandoned and ruined and they go through a bunch of hell you know i always thought about that Isabel. i guess just because of (laughs) like the sagan stuff like you know they're like oh he's getting closer to taking his record yeah his record and i'm like what record? Like, I mean, yeah. it's like, how do you have that for Lance where it's like, none of this counts and another guy who you know did the same thing, yeah. but all of it still counts. Yeah. And it's, everyone references it too. Like, they're not just, they're, they're like, yeah, like he doesn't get, there's no like asterisks when they say it or anything mm-hmm. like that. Well, they're all just part of the system and they don't want to succeed in the system. So they just yeah. follow the rules. And it's like, I don't know. I just don't agree with that stuff. And like, they're just, they've taken the ticket, so to speak, and they just are willing to say and do whatever the powers that be want them to say. So that's just my own personal opinion. Not the, not, not the opinion of the post right cafe. Yeah. I was like the, the, the other leg of the post right cafes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I just, see, no. you see that stuff a lot where people wanted to, that's kind of the genesis of this podcast for me. It was like, people got to have want to say things about cyclists and they just don't because they're afraid of losing their, you know, job or losing their space in the podcast world or as a journalist or something and it's like, yeah and it's not just in cycling it's in every industry where like you just don't say anything negative whether it's video games or movies or books or like it's all sort of just fake and it kind of just irritated me and i was like i just want to talk about cycling and like let's just see if other people find it interesting you know and so we'll see how that whole thing ends up in the future but for now I, i'm loving doing the podcast and just saying what i what i think all right, man. Well, yeah. with that, we'll get on to some uh, pro cycling news. Ah, uh, yes. So we're going to kind of look at some transfer rumors or some things that are coming up since we're getting into the start of cycling here. Oh, yeah. So the first one I wanted to look at was there was an article about the top 10 classic riders on the market. So looking at who's going to be available coming up. Um, we could pick a few of these guys out that, that I think could make a big impact on, oh, sure. on another well, team or, or yeah. ones that you might think go, will go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, so this was a cycling news uh, article. and I mean, it's not like much to it. They just said, here's the riders that are yeah. out of contract and here's what we think about them. But the ones that kind of stuck out to me, uh, I'll start, would be um, Jasper Stoyven is a huge one for me. 
uh, I, you know, he's on track. He seems to be very happy, and he, uh, I don't see him leaving. You know, he obviously has no. had a good start to his season, and he's coming up. He's twenty eight. You know, he's reaching his peak, and I think if if Trek is willing to show that commitment to him, and I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, you know, they have Mads Peterson and a couple of other younger guys on their team, and so they, if they can sign another strong rider ahead of time, I think Stoyben would be willing to to stay. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't see the support, then he'll want to go somewhere where he can because he's in the crux of his career, but I don't foresee him leaving. No, I agree with that. I think on the other end, I think one that will leave or maybe should, I think Niels Pollitt, uh, he's on Israel Startup now, and I think he's at the level where he can win a classic and they should have a team built around him. Sure. I know that Israel does have some sprinting guys and, and maybe they have a good enough team. We haven't really seen them in like, you know, as a, a world tour team yet of yeah. in a classic. So we don't really know how that's going to look. But I think if it doesn't work out for him this year, I, I see him being gone somewhere else the next year. That makes sense. I think this will be a good uh, precursor for him and use it as training and see how his team does and see what their yeah. thoughts are. And I think the same thing. If I'm in you know his position or Jasper Stoyben, it's like, who are we signing before I sign? You know, Get me a commitment from somebody and some teams that are some writers that are going to help bolster our classic squad or else I'm not going to sign. You know. Yeah. And so... You'd kind of have to see it first, and so we'll see how Israel does this season when these shortened classics, and see how they how they react as a team. If I'm Nils Pollard, that's what I'm looking for. Like, yeah, are we cohesive? Do we get along? Are we building up and getting better as a team? Before you know, before I make that decision, I think he would like to stay with them, but I mean, he was stuck on Katusha, and like we've talked about before, there was just something going on in that team, and like they were just spiraling. It's out true. Of control. So, so I mean, I, I think yeah, like you said, he wants to see where it's going to go. One more, just because I want to see your opinion. Seth Van Mark. What, what? <laughs> Man, like, I really like him. Like, he's 31 just, now. I think he's going to go to Trek. No, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, Seth Van Mark, I mean, I just think it's just one of those things where he never quite made it. I think he's still possible to win some, some races for a team. But if I, was a, if I was a team manager, I wouldn't bring him on as a leader. You know, I'd bring him in as a, a captain who can, like, have his own race on occasion, but not build a team around. Yeah, so but he's you, still young enough that there might be a team who's willing to do that. Do you that. think he's going to stay, I guess is what I'm saying, or or I, do you think he's going to move on? Unless he got a better offer, I don't see why he would leave. He's been on that team for it's been quite a, a bit, while. Because yeah. he was on Garmin, and he was on, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know if he was on Garmin. I know he was on when they were like just full Cannondale, and they, yeah. they had like the green jerseys and all like that. I feel like he's been on Jonathan Botter's team for a while. It I could, I could be. be wrong. I get I, him mixed up with, I think it is him. Didn't he almost win Perry Roubaix? I believe so. Yeah. Behind Cancellara or something. Who was the one guy that won Perry Roubaix? Was that was, no, like during. <laughs> no. uh, man, he was on Cannondale. I thought. Anyway, I don't remember. I get them. I get those two guys mixed up. So I could, all right. I could so be you, very. You well think there. he's gonna stay? I, I think so. All yeah. right. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I feel like you just always talk about him more so i, I just wanted to see what you like, thought he's always had the ability and it just either he got a flat or got oh you know, he's something for sure the nearly or, man but. yeah for sure but um the, the only other writer on this list and i wouldn't even say writer but the quick step you know they have jungles and eve lampart I, I think one of them is gonna leave i don't think it's jungles though i think it's eve lampart yeah they're both fairly young 27 and 29 coming into the prime 
Young girls, I think, still can do lots of different things. Correct. I know, like, there was a time where he's like, I'm going to be, um, try and go for grand tours, and I think he's kind of backed off of that. But Lampard, I feel like, is he's ready just to... ready to be on a leader on another team. And I think so. And there's so many guys on that team that can do that. It's you gotta you gotta move on just for yourself at some uh, point. I think he's gonna go to Lotto. <laughs> but you know, what do I know? That's just yeah. my guess. Because he'll go to some other build. I don't know. I just think you're right. I agree. Youngles, a lot more other things he can do. He likes to do stage week stage races, and he can do he some can classics, and he can do and... other things. So I think he's useful to Quick Step outside of classics. And yeah. so they're notorious for not paying riders a lot of money, even if they deserve it, because they have other riders to pick up the slack. And we've seen that with him. Um, throughout Quickstep and other teams that he's led. Um, I can't remember his damn team manager name. Uh, Patrick Lefevre. So, like, he's paid Alif- he pl- he's paid his, like, superstars, but all the people that are, like, the know, role players, the, the, the Bulls terminology, like a Scottie Pippen or something that's, like, really good, but also just not a superstar, he's willing to let them go. And um, so I think Yvonne Park is going to be leaving. But, all yeah. Right. All right, a couple more here where... Uh, just looking at rumors, and I feel like a few of them are pretty interesting to me. I don't know if they're yeah. This next one is pan out, but pretty interesting. This one I could see being true. Oh no, or, I totally agree. I think and it's I think definitely it makes true. Sense. I just this is kind of a shock. So a it's it's Bardet rumored to be going to Sunweb. Yeah, and we talked about this when we talked about Sunweb. They're kind of lost. They were not expecting Tom Dumoulin to leave, and so they have this hole in their roster for Grand Tours, right? They have Google Kelderman, but he's just not ever going to win the Grand Tours. They have Uman, too, who's, who's good. Sam Uman is really good. I just I think he hasn't had a chance to prove himself. He's obviously no, shown to no, be a for great sure. domestique, but he definitely has potential. But I also don't think they should take Bardet. Like, Bardet is hot garbage. Well, we don't like him. <laughs> just yeah. because of his lack of time trialing yeah. ability and his lack of desire mm-hmm. to work on it. But someone is a good time trialing team, so maybe they'll force that upon him. They're like, hey... If you're signing with us, you, you need to learn how to do this. Yeah, maybe maybe AG2R was never just really pushed him to be better. You know, there very well could be. I know Bardet has the temperament to want to be great, but it doesn't make you great. But yeah, maybe he just needs that nudge and some support to push him to be like, hey, we're going to improve your time trialing by whatever. We're going to get your bare metrics, and then we're going to improve that by 15% or whatever, you know? Yeah, no confirmations on that actually happening, but I did read something basically confirmed that he's looking beyond AG2R. So well, yeah. that he's going to most likely be moving somewhere. It just makes you wonder if AG2R has lost confidence in him, which it seems like they have anyway, since he wasn't doing the tour this year. So it, it seems like the right time for him to make a change. Yeah. And it seems likely that Sunweb can pick him up since you're looking for somebody and he has that name recognition right off the bat. So. Not going to be surprised if that turns out to be true. This next one, on the other hand, I don't see happening. So yeah, I agree. Was, <laughs> we talked about it last week. There was a rumor that Lopez was going wanting to leave Astana, right? Um, but then it looks like he's been linked to Bora. What do you think? I don't think so at all. One, they already have a good core group of guys. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young talent, like Bookman... Mm-hmm. I mean, what was he, fourth or something like that in the tour? Yeah, without any help. Yeah, pretty much. No team support, because they were all there for Sagan, basically. Yeah. He just rode the coattails of the other team's train, and luckily he didn't have any like punctures or whatever, but he still got fourth, and I, I think he has potential to podium. And they, I mean, they honestly, they, they seem to like to invest in German riders and, mm-hmm. and build their team that way. Yeah. 
he'd be the only, uh, what is he, Colombian writer? Yeah. Is he Colombian or Spanish? I don't know. I'm like blanking. Either way, I feel like he just wouldn't fit into the team and his style, like, I don't think would fit in. It just, it doesn't seem like a match at all to me. I think, uh, I just had this thought, but I think he could go to the team we're about to talk about next who just signed a new writer. A, a young guy? Pretty young. For their standards, he was pretty young. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Trek uh, loves loves developing new uh, 41-year-old forty-one year old talent and uh, Peter Winning. Yeah, so I this pickup seems strange on the surface, but I actually had some chance to digest it, and I think it's a good signing. If you read the... The article that was written, it was basically they lost a guy to an injury and they brought in Peter Weening, who's 41. He's Dutch. There's a couple Dutch riders on their team. He's been a good domestique slash road captain for some other teams. And so I think it's smart of them. You know, they don't have, they have a lot of old riders, but they're all their grand tour riders. So, yeah. you know, the Nibbly and Port, they're all these, you know, dinosaurs that are going to be their team lead and they don't, they have a lot of young guys. And so... I think bringing him on as just specifically for the role of this season, we need a team captain, a road captain, I think is a good pickup for them. We'll see how it plays out, but the logic behind what they're trying to accomplish, I can get on board for them. Oh, it probably is, you know, the best, but it's still, it's still funny. Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> funny. Like, it's so, you know, because we talk, we always joked about Trek always picking people up after their prime. And it's kind of like the Cardinals football team here do the same thing. They always picked up, like, Edron James or this other guy. And it's like, yeah, they were great five, ten years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, like, about to retire. And they want, like, it's like. They're, like, they want a paycheck. And they're, yeah. Right. And so it's, like, just always irritating. So it's just another one of those things where, like, they picked up some 41-year-old. And you're, like, of course they picked up a 41-year-old. And Yeah. Dude, that uh, brings us right into our team episodes. Trek Segafredo that we're starting with. Man, we couldn't have just planned that episode better. Yeah, I don't know who would have put in such a brilliant segue. Yeah. Well, let's get into their stats real quick. 2019, they were ranked 11th. They moved up two spots from 2018. And they had 11 total victories, three of them in the World Tour, uh, and one being a classic. Bach Malama won uh, Il Lombardia. Book, book Malama? B- yeah, book. He reads a lot of books. I'm not <laughs> sure if you knew. He is a bookworm, that, yeah. that Bauka. Yeah, that was a cool race. No, I mean, that was really cool because yeah. he'd also been kind of a nearly man in a lot of things, and yep. it was cool to see him win on that. Oh, for sure. So comparing that to 2018, they had 20 victories and four in the World Tour. So on paper, it seems like they had a worse season, but they moved up in ranking, which I guess a couple people above them just kind of had a shit season. Uh, what is their identity? Uh, they're GC stages and classics. That's kind of what they're at. They don't really care about sprinting too much. But they are stage hunters and classics guys, and they pretend to want to compete in the Grand Tour. Yeah. Key signings this year were uh, uh, Vincenzo Nibali. Just irks me to say that. They picked up Quinn Simmons somehow. That's like out of nowhere. And then also we just talked about they picked up Peter Weening. Key losses. A lot of these it doesn't really bother me too much. They they got John Deckencob left. We talked about that. Mikhail Irizar. I think he retired or not. What is his name? Anyway. Uh, he retired, Femiyuki Bepu, he retired, Fabio Fellini, did he retire? I don't know about Fellini. And then uh, Jarlinson Pantano, uh, man. Forced retirement. Forced <laughs> retirement. <laughs> Drugs. Uh, yeah, he got banned. Uh, key riders on this team, you got Richie Port, Vincenzo Nibley, 
Julio Ciccone, Bacamolima, Mads Peterson, who won the world championships. That was a, that was a good race. Um, yeah, so real quick before we jump into our topics, what are your thoughts on this team? Um, I don't know. I mean, I some of the I like the young riders that that they're going with. Like, I like Ciccone. Uh, yeah. I mean, Quinn Simmons was a really cool pickup. I think yeah. he's nineteen. Yeah, and I don't think he's starting this season. I think he's starting next season. Oh, really? Well, like it was always planned that way. <laughs> I th- I think I believe because he won and or he did well in the, I think it was like the under twenty three world championships. Yeah, he won the. Uh, he was first in the uh, in the road juniors race. road race. Oh yeah, the juniors. So yeah, yeah, super young. But mm-hmm. but I like. He also likes to time trial. Yeah, I like where they're going with with the young guys a lot. So maybe they're finally kind of. I know they picked up Vincenzo, but they're going to try to do something. But maybe eventually they're like, all right, we, we actually need to focus on, on youth and rebuilding this team a different way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, for me, like, Trek has always been, like, my hometown team, I guess. So, like, you know, in, in soccer you have, you follow, you know, whoever, right? In football, here, you know, you follow either your the town you grew up in or the one your father liked or, you know, and you kind of stick with that team. You have, like, a team identity. In cycling, you don't have that as much, but for me, if I had to have my hometown, like, personal team I always wanted to do well, it was always Trek. You know, they had Cancellara, who was one of my favorites when I first started watching, and you had um, Contador, who also I really liked as a Grand Tour rider, and so, you know, I always wanted, I always wanted Trek to do well, and I always liked him. And oddly enough, it's like this last season, I was really kind of just getting tired of it. They picked up, I thought picking up Port, I thought picking up Deckingov was great and it didn't work out for them. And then they picked up Port, which was cool. And then he kind of had a couple of bad crashes and it's like, they just never seem to kind of make traction and they've kind of lost their way. And so I still don't want to give up on them, but I did for a little bit. I'll yeah, be, I mean, there's some hard times. It was pretty tough. But yeah, I always cheer. I don't, they're like my underdog, basically. But yeah, I agree. They have. They it looks like they've been developing some talent, finally, and so we'll see if that if they can continue that growth. Yeah. But having said that, uh, you know, does having Mads Peterson winning the world championship is that kind of like a turning point for them? It, it kind of seems like their confidence has been boosted, not just at that race, but kind of the end of the season, kind of the way it it started to pan out in twenty nineteen. Like they started to elevate. You had. Malama winning at Lombardia, and then you yeah. have Peterson winning, and it seems like they've kind of turned things around. Dude, I'm going to say it was a fluke. Yeah? I, I'm going to say that it was a fluke, but I don't think that takes anything away from... Him winning. Well, him winning, I think it does. But I think it, it doesn't take anything away from the confidence in the team and being able to have the confidence because you have a world champion on your team. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, like... Earlier in the season, he looked awesome in doing work for Port and mm-hmm. just everything that he was doing in the beginning of the season. Yeah. He, he looked strong. So I was really curious how he was going to do on his own. You know, was that going to turn into uh, wins, you know, in the classics and everything for him? Or yeah. was, I don't know, because you really, there's, you don't know that much about him. I don't, no. I don't think Mm-mm. he's had you know, a big career before that. So it's... Not a lot of name recognition, that's for sure. Yeah, so you just don't know how he was really going to do. But I do think it's helped the team and, and inspired them a little bit yeah. to have a, 
after kind of some years of where like like you were saying underdog and just not performing and you know Dagan called the whole team well they got that that car crash or that ran into the team so like hmm? or was that when he was on subweb still oh uh Dagan Cobb that was when he was on subweb oh yeah so when he got to he never recovered from that and I still don't think he has mentally I mean you know quick side note with like Sagan when he crashed on that descent I think that's messed with him a lot too so I agree there's something to be said psychologically with Dagan Cobb but you know he has obviously found some of his form but I think him parting ways with Trek was always good and so I think Trek's poised to in the next couple seasons like really build up something and you could see that in 2020 starting out with you know Richie Port winning his um his home race and then Jasper Stoyven like we said earlier has been having a great start to his season and he looked really ready for the classic so it was kind of a bummer to to kind of have all that kind of stop because he was on some flying form and so it's true I think they're starting to find some of those under that talent that's under 36 yeah I think that's they just need to focus on it now and and instead of maybe I guess ride out these couple years with with Nibley and Port but yeah, you need to get something, you need to have some sort of writer cachet on your team, but I think it's been hard for them to find that, you know, if you're a 26-year-old writer who's ready to go get that big contract, like, you're not going to go to Trek right now, you know? And so it makes sense that they're not being, they're not able to pull that talent, they're pulling in the slightly past their prime and, you know, last big contract before they retire writer, you're not building, you're not getting that writer right before his prime. I think it's probably hard to change your team identity, because, I mean, you you have to be, you know, we joke about it, but everybody else jokes about it, and I'm sure other cyclists and things, you know, agents view it that way, and mm-hmm. they're like, mm, I don't know if I want my, like, you know, young rider going there, or yeah, or there... as a young rider, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go there. Like, you, mm-hmm. you get this identity based on the team, and tons of teams have that. It's like you go to Ineos, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to get paid, but do I really want to be a super domestic? Like, or do I want my own? Like, Mm -hmm. either way, it's fine, but it's just knowing what you're getting into. Yeah, so I think you're right. Trek has to start building and developing your riders and building them up from a young age and building that team mentality. Uh, But they're in that transition if that's where they're headed, and I hope they are. But having said that, they picked up Nibbly this, this year because of their owner loves the dude and has always wanted to have him on a team. And it seems like a very vanity pickup and I can't argue with that. I just, as far as team competitiveness, though, I, I don't... Well, Segafredo is an Italian mm-hmm. coffee company. and Yeah, and the owner or, of the coffee company was like, I've always wanted to have Nibley on my team. You know, so there you like, go. <laughs> that's why they picked him up. Yeah. You know, completely because the owner wanted him. And it's his money. I mean, it's no right or wrong. I just think competitively, it's a, just a stupid decision. I, I think it's fine to me. I think Nibley is competitive any fights so i don't have as negative opinions as you do of him i think he's at least a really good fighter and more so than some other gc guys and he can win different styles of race i don't know if he's gonna what form he's gonna come in or anything but i think he's more he's still at least more of a fighter and it's yeah. it's a little more interesting to watch and it, it becomes a little more wild card and Maybe he could help out some of the guys in like randomly in the classics and things like that, which yeah. some of the younger guys. So, I don't, I don't think it's a bad pickup myself. That's a fair point. I will, I will agree. You know, him winning San Remo was really cool. He does have like a fighter's chance or a puncher's chance. Like he doesn't give up. He at least honors the. He'll Grand take risks. Yeah, 
He'll take risk, and he does at least honor the Especially the on a descent in the rain. <laughs> That's like... true. Those are some of the things I like about him, but yeah. I just... I don't think the big contract was was, was the appropriate, but if he he definitely has the chance to give up some of his experience and help foster some growth on the team, and we'll see if he does that. But I was not thrilled to say the least when he got picked up on that team. Dude, less thrilling I feel like is is Port. I just man, he had moments, and and I think that the the Froome run on Ventu was was probably his closest chance of winning the tour. Yeah. That was brutal. And it, yeah, I don't think that was was fair, but uh, I just never saw him that close again and I don't think it's going to happen for him. Yeah, I think the year he crashed uh, or which which year on stage 9 or whatever stage he crashed multiple times and and has been knocked out of the tour what two times in a row. I think those that first year was probably his best form. Yeah, and it really sucked because like, Port was just a one more in a line of people on Team Sky that were good riders and wanted to. I still think he waited a year too too late, like Wout Poles did, because Port's like thirty five or something, thirty four. Yeah. So and he could even time trial back in the day a little bit too. Like, yeah, he, he so was, I, and he's small. He, he was really close. So he looked like Froome did when he would when he helped Bradley Wiggins. Like there, yeah. he looked stronger, and so. It looked like Port was kind of in that same boat, and so it was great that he jumped ship. And he, unfortunately, he crashed on that descent, and that was the closest he was going to get. And and we'll see. Last year, he didn't look very good. Um, maybe he just wasn't quite all in it. I think this year he might have the potential. He might have that fire to really do well. And so we'll see how he comes out. He obviously came out at the start really strong, um, but can he podium the Tour de France without knowing his form? I mean, he's capable if he. If he could refine his time trial form that he had three or four years ago, I think he definitely has a chance. But I, I just don't, I don't know what see he looks him like. podium, not with the competition that's out there. Yeah. Well, I'm saying if he time trials as well as he yeah. used to, he was one of the best time trialers in the world, top five, you know. And so, and being a GC contender, you know, top three or two or whatever, he was this almost better than Froome was at time trialing. So if he has that form, I think it's definitely possible. All right, well, he doesn't have that form. All right. <laughs> no. If he doesn't, he's not going to do it. But, you know, we'll see. So, you know, Chicone, on the other hand, young, looked pretty damn cool in the Giro last year. Dude, that he did. I mean, there was no pressure on him at all, but he looked pretty dang good. He was helping his guys. He was out there getting the mountains jersey. He was, you know, just doing all sorts of stuff in that Giro. Yeah, that's a guy to build around. I feel like, I don't know if he's still on the team, but... Gave me like vibes when they picked up um, Brambia. Mm, yeah, I feel like I think he, he's still on the team. You know, Luca Brambia. Yeah, like he kind of fizzled. Man. I don't know what happened. So stoked when they picked him up. But he looked because I think it was um, I don't know if it was Strade or or one of them where he was. I know it was one of those ones like Italian classic where they're like, climbing through the narrow city and he didn't win, but he was I don't know probably top three or something like that. But he was fun to watch and like good on those kinds of races and, yeah. and I feel like Ciccone can be that and, and better is is what it looks like so it'll be cool to see him develop yeah we'll see I don't know what Ciccone's plans are if he's going back to the Giro I would imagine he would but if he does he's going to go help he's going to be there to help Nibley and we'll see how that pans out for him but I thought that was pretty exciting and you know Italy needs another young Grand Tour guy you know they right now they have Aru and Nibley and they're kind of well, yeah, yeah. Make a face when I yeah, hear a the room. face you looked when I said a rue. Like, you know, they need 
a younger writer that's willing to take that mantle. I'm not saying Ciccone is ready for that, but he shows signs of it. And so it's it'll be interesting to see how this year and next season, you know, how this season goes. It's so weird. It's really hard to pin anything on this season, in my opinion. But um, if he has a pretty good season, it's showing, I think, the year after, I think, would be a pretty big breakout season for him. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that kind of... Uh, Wraps up this this team right now. You know, their 2020 key victories, like we said earlier, Jasper Stoivan had a big win. He won Omloop. And, and then, unfortunately, they kind of petered out. He looked like he was just building form. And like, he looked strong in he all those races. great. So it was, man, I hope he still has it, but it's a, such bad timing for him. It looked like this season was his breakout year. Yeah. Uh, and then, as you said earlier, Richie Port won the Tour de Under and won a stage there, one of the climbs. And so he was finally able to unseat... Um, What's his face? Uh, well, I think Daryl Impey. Yeah. Yeah, he won the last couple seasons. So Richie Port was on some good early season form. Not uncommon for him. But oh, that leads us to our final question. Better or worse? Um, so, reminder, they had three World Tour wins. I think they already have one already. I guess two, technically. But I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, well, Omloop doesn't count as a classic. Does it count as a world tour win? I don't even know, but... I think it's a world tour. I always get those... I always assume everything big that I know of, like, on loop or... Like, some of them just aren't yeah. world tour races, you know? So I just kind of forget, but... I think they'll be... I think they'll be... Well, I guess how much does a classic count for? I'm going to say... The, I'm going to call it even. They'll be even. All right. I, no, think, I they think they can do... Be better. Better? I think they can do a little bit in the Grand Tours, like, stage hunting-wise. Yeah. I don't know how... I honestly still think that Nibali has a better shot of placing higher than Port, I guess, in a in a Grand Tour. Uh, I don't know which one. He's doing the Giro. Okay. Yeah, Nibali's yeah. already said he's doing the Giro. Port, I Honestly, that one's sure probably the... great for him. It's going to be... That one can shape up to be a really awesome race because it's going to be well, snowy. <laughs> yeah, so Nibali should be pretty good on that. Yeah, yeah terrible no, I, weather, perfect. I think uh, they're, they're going to have a better season. Even though it's shorter. So. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to our next second team here. EF Education First. What a mouthful. So, 2019 stats. They were ranked 10th, which was up six spots from 2018. Uh, la they had 17 victories, six of them on the World Tour, and they won a classic such a long time ago, it seems. Uh, Betiel won the, the Flanders. Rondé van van Daren. Yeah, that was a pretty cool victory. Um, 2018, as a comparison, they only had six total victories, two of them in the World Tour, and two of those were stages. So, yeah, definitely a big improvement. You know, EF's always kind of been, for the last five or six seasons, that seems really, you know, not really doing much, and so they had a breakout season last year. So that was pretty cool to see. Key signings, they picked up uh, Nissan Palace, Jens Kukuler, and uh, Magnus Court. Uh, oh, real quick, I forgot their team identity. I guess GC, but really stages, and they've kind of started this whole alternative season calendar thing, so yeah. that's kind of their big thing right now, even though it's such a small part of their calendar, but we'll, we can talk about that in a sec. Key losses, Taylor Finney, he retired, kind of weird, and then Joe Dombrowski ended up leaving. But their key riders are Rigoberto Oran, Michael Woods, Seth Benmark, Magnus Court, and Hugh Carthy, in my opinion. Uh, I guess I'll start this one. My personal opinion on the team kind of alluded to it. The last couple seasons, they've kind of felt just 
almost as a joke, we kind of just laughed. Like, they, they never really were competitive in any race they were in. I mean, look at 2018, six total victories in the yeah. entire cycle. It was rough. Calendar. Yeah. Um, and then they had those two world tour wins. I think what Mike, one of them was Michael Woods. So I think they have a few key riders that have really breathed a fresh uh, breath of fresh air into their team. And so last season, that was actually, like, cool and exciting to to kind of cheer for EF education. I, I haven't felt that way in a while. So um, if they continue on that path I, with these younger riders, I, I don't dislike the team. I just haven't been exciting or done anything. So, Yeah, I, I like them. I think a big turning point for me was Michael Woods in that World Championships. Just mm-hmm. And then I think earlier, too, in the Vuelta mm-hmm. were... Yeah. Like, I just like... I like guys that just dig real hard on the climbs. Yeah. And a lot of respect. Yeah. And he was, I mean, you could see the pain in there and just going all in. Just a fun, just fun to watch. And I like, I've liked Nielsen Palace for a while. Uh, I think he, I think I was watching when he was on um, the Axion Hoggins Berman before he went over there. I mean, he was on kind of the one of the big American teams where Axel Merckx kind of picks up all the the good riders that are going to go on to a, a good pro career. Yeah, definitely a, a development team people are really keeping an eye out on. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, so I think, you know, with him, with Woods, with, you know, maybe Hugh Carthy as a mountain domestique, like, we, you know, I think, like, we skipped uh, the, we're just thinking about key riders. Higita and Danny Martinez. I feel like their Colombians are insane. Like, really good, young. And so I think with that, like, I think Oran is is probably kind of past past his prime on here. Mm -hmm. But I think with all those guys, I, I think there's some really, really good options coming up. Yeah, they have a really deep pool of young talent, it seems like they've really kind of set themselves up for the future. Um you know, as, as far as main topics, the first one I have here was about Iran. Will he be able to go the distance in any Grand Tour this year? And I kind of on the same page. Like I, I like I like Iran, but he just doesn't quite have the form. It seems in these last couple of Grand Tours, he just kind of fades out. Yeah. And so I, I just don't see that. Um, I don't. I would imagine they'll try to build around him. But like you said, they have a couple other younger guys that are just showing p- super potential, and so. It'll be really hard. They'll probably go in with like a two-pronged approach or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd really put my money on probably Hagita right now as as my like main team leader and kind of go from there or just see how the guys are doing, but the, yeah. that's probably who I would put it on. Well, they all have these uh, tons of Colombian training under their belts in this pandemic. They're all just sitting in altitude hanging out. So. It's true. They, they, I think one of him or uh, Danny Martinez you know, said that Colombians are going to come in with an advantage. Is a Higita. Um, now, I put on here, can Michael Woods continue to improve and find more consistent results? Now, I just forgot. Didn't I crash or something? And, like, break his leg or something? Uh, I don't remember. Devastating crash. But, yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Like, seeing Michael Woods in... I don't remember him in the World Championships for whatever reason. But I do remember that Vuelta. And there was a couple of those steep stages that were, like... You know, it's foggy or whatever, and he's just climbing and giving, just ripping his guts out. And, like, I just, you can't hate a guy like that. Like, so it's really cool to see him, even if he's Canadian. <laughs> like, you know, he just looked really strong last season and was really putting in those efforts. And I, I'm excited to see where he goes. I just, I think he's one of those guys where he'll never get past 
being a domestique. And I think he should just kind of, maybe he's already accepted it, but I think he wants to do some those climbing classics and like a stage hunter. I think he's totally happy with. I think role. I think I'm, I hope he is happy there, but I I think that's exactly where he should stay. I don't. He should be a domestique. He should focus on classics. He should focus on stage. Yeah. I think he's probably a, a little too old to yeah, change I think he's that. Like twenty eight or twenty nine or something. And I, I just write that down. Yeah, I I think he's great where he's at mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. And I mean he's gonna do well, so it's like that's it's fine. Mm hmm. Yeah. So EF and the classics looks like they they picked up some good guys, right? They picked up Nielsen Palace. They picked up Jens Kukler, Magnus Court. I don't know about Palace per much so much, but. You know, these other two are, you know, Cord is a big, strong guy. Yeah. And so they definitely have bolstered their classics squad. You know, maybe this is a set by March here. Could be. Yeah, Betty all still. And it, that, a lot of people seem to think that was a fluke. Um, but we'll see. You know, they've, they've definitely started to improve their classics. And uh, I don't know. What Do you, do you think they're going to have a, a victory this year? In the classics? Yeah. Um. No. I think that they're going to do much better in the grand tours than than the classics yeah yeah the classics are one of those things where it's like you just never know you have what you think is going to happen and then sometimes it's just like the race turned out this way and this guy won you know well so yeah they always have any strong team or a strong rider always has a fighter's chance on the classics but yeah i mean going with a traditional sort of storyline I, I don't expect it either um, so yeah i'm kind of in the same boat uh you want to handle these young riders yeah, uh, I guess the first one I don't know as much, but Jonas Rutsch, he is 21. He was fifth in the, looks like the under 23 Ronde van Vlanderlin. And he was, he won the under 23 again. Why, why are you having me play, say this <laughs> terrible? You did this on purpose. Of course I did. Gint Wivelgem. Wivelgem, yeah. Wiggle gum, as we call it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are hard words. Man. Obviously, you know, one of their classics guys. You know, he has a lot of potential in the, you know, being really competitive in the under twenty three classics. So, you know, big strong engine there. So that'll be that'll be good to see him develop. Yeah. Uh, and I next think you've one, heard of these next two guys. Yeah. So we have uh, Sergio Hagita, who is twenty two. He was fourteenth overall in the Vuelta. He won a stage. Uh, he was. Looks like fourth in the under 23 world championships he was second overall in the tour of california uh, he was second on the mount baldy stage and he was fourth overall in the tour of poland yeah a lot of uh, consistency yeah consistency for 22 especially and, yeah just building up to all these as a grand tour rider you got these kind of like week-long stage races mm -hmm. and the next uh 23 danny martinez he was third overall in the Tour of Colombia. First, he won the time trial. It was uh, a team time trial. Oh, team time trial. So it was trial. very weird because EF Education actually won the team time trial. So it was a little bit interesting because that's never been their strength, but they do have one of the best team time trialists of all time. TJ. TJ? <laughs> that guy was such a beast in time trials. I'll, I'll give him credit. He had a diesel engine. Yeah, and so it looks like he was in the Vuelta España. He was... 10th in the individual time trial, 4th uh, on stage 1, the individual time trial. Uh, he won the overall, or no, the individual time trial at the Pan American Games. Tour of the Basque Country, he was 2nd in the individual time trial. Uh, and Perry Nice, stage 2, it looks like. No, stage 7, he was 
These notes are all over the place, man. He won stage seven, it looks like. If I was reading oh, my own notes seven. correctly. But he also got fifth on stage five, which is also a time trial. So He can time trial. Basically, he's a pretty strong time trialist, and so if he, and he's Colombian. So if he can build up his mountain climbing, and to be honest, I don't know his climbing capabilities, but he obviously can time trial. Yeah. Which is a huge part of that. Real quick, I wanted to just throw on here, you know, it's outside of our scope. Yeah, I was I, like, you, you're broke, breaking your own rules I here. broke my own rule, but I put Hugh Carthy on here. He's 25. You know, he was Tour de Suisse. He got first on stage nine. He was He won the mountains classification. This year at Italia, he finished 11th overall. He was 16th on the uh, prologue on stage one, and he was 8th on stage nine's time trial, which was about 35 kilometers, and he had two top five stage uh, placings. So very strong for 25, and I feel he's developing, but I I feel he does need to add a few kilos. But, you know, he definitely has the time trialing prowess, and he's a good mountain domestique, so... We'll see if he develops into a better rider or if he's just going to stick there, but, you know, he's still pretty young as well, and I just wanted to add him in the list. Just to, I don't know, just some respect, I guess. He, he looks strong as a domestique in, in some of the Grand Tours last year. I, that's why I think they have a really good young and kind of, but unproven mm-hmm. Grand Tour, you know, potential here. Yeah. Uh, and then the key victories, uh, going back to Higuita and Martinez, they... Uh, both from Colombia, Higuita won the um, looks like the road race and and the time trial. Wait, I'm not reading. There's no way I'm reading that right. You don't know how to read your own notes. So Higuita and Martinez were both in the Tour of <laughs> Colombia. They both won a stage. Higuita won the overall. Uh, Bernal, Sergio Haynau, Chavez, Aru. So it was a pretty good amount of people. You know, a lot of b- strong riders that were in that race. And so Higuita won the overall, showing. You know, hey, he's got some chops. And then they both also won the national championships. Uh, Higuita won the road race, and Martinez won the time trial. That makes more sense, because, you know, in the you way wrote that, that one. The way that I'm saying it, you know, that they both somehow won all the national yeah, they championships. Yeah, they both won the national championships for road racing and time trialing somehow. They're, they're going to have a That's split how, jersey. They're really good. But luckily, they each won, they both won both races, so they're gonna, their splits are just going to be the entire Columbia flag. What? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Sounds like a rad jersey. <laughs> it does. Should have a nice split. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that is a, about that in a nutshell. So it really boils down to what do you think they're going to do better or worse? So they had six World Tour wins last season. I see. Wait. Oh, you. Yeah, I'm reading those notes wrong again. Obviously. Oh, man. All over the place. I'm going to say that I'm going to chalk it up to being tired. Yeah. Well, it's probably not true. 210 right? miles. That's almost a festive this week, so. Yeah. Um, I, with the classic, it's tough just because of of the season. I think they're a better team. Yeah, I do too. Um, so we can leave it at that. I mean, I just, I'm going to say, yeah, they're a better team. I don't know if that's going to translate into the results. I'm, I guess it's going to depend how you look at the results. I think that they're going to place fairly high in a grand tour. I think they could podium a grand tour. I'm, okay. I'll be bold in that, which I think will be better than some of the other things so better. all right cool no I, I agree it's hard to say how many victories or whatever but i do think they're a better team as well and so i expect them to have on average better results even if they don't win more races per se but i think their overall team is going to have a good improvement and then 2021 they should have a really strong year yeah so I, i'm fine with that as a as a result when you guys start getting into these like 
six wins or ten or like there's not that many races this season so it's like it's really hard to yeah, pin them down I'm sure on a number but if you divide it all up of how many we're like yeah we're gonna they're gonna win six and that team's gonna win four yeah. there's you know probably twice the amount of races that there actually are of course but yeah i think um well there's other teams when it's like they have two wins it's like well i think they're gonna be a better team but yeah i think they're an overall better team they're gonna improve they're gonna have more experience half their team lives in columbia so they're all you know filled with red they're blood set. cells so i think they'll have a, a better season for sure Nice. And with TJ there to help him. Unstoppable. Love TJ. Yes. All right, that sums it up this week. Uh, bad notes again. I don't know who we're talking about next <laughs> next week. I think one of them was... Uh, dang, who was I'm it? not going to even try to guess. You've already seen how bad I've been. Yeah, I'm, I don't know either. But anyway, we'll be back next week with more team episodes. Two more of those bad boys. And uh, some cycling news, I'm sure. Yeah. And we might even good. ride our bikes. One of us will. It's true. Until then, have a good one. See ya.